we we have to cover both of them or for the most part you know whatever brings up the most games right now is men's just because they're the ones getting all the tv time with fox but mm-hmm. um Mm-hmm. We cover we cover both. So I'm I'm interacting with both of them as we go. <laughs> Are you you doing? Are you doing like a radio show? No. Um. Good day to Paul. That's our TV station. Oh, the TV. All right. Yeah, TV. That's TV. Okay. Good day to Paul. On the morning news. Uh, not necessarily the morning news. It's like uh, <laughs> it's like, especially with COVID, they have us doing like. They have us covering pregame, like games from like a week or two in advance or something like that. And then if they come up with a, if they have that new, if they have a press conference or something, we'll get involved with that. If we have to interview players, we do. Nine times a ten, we don't. Just covering the game, you do a little highlights package here and there that we get from Fox. Um, put your own spin on it, stuff like that. You know, to cover the sport as a whole for the sports section of it. That's what's up. Okay. Josh, Josh getting on his way to being the next Brian Gumble. <laughs> whatever. Hey. Lawrence Holmes. Yeah, Lawrence. Definitely could be definitely be next Lawrence. Lawrence went to DePaul too. You should probably holler at him. Oh yeah, for sure. I yeah, talked to him about DePaul before I even committed over there. So Okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Hey, shout out to Lawrence Holmes. Shout out to those who Setting the standard, I just saw a little while ago. Uh, Cap uh, and uh, you know, Cap and Jay Hood was named Jay Hood had put it on uh, Facebook. They were named one of the top 20 uh, morning sports station, the sports shows in the nation by Barrett Sports Media. So, and you know, you look at that list, you know, uh, Jay Hood is one of the few brown faces you see. One of the few chocolate faces you see on that list, you know, uh, as far as the host goes. So definitely big up to Jay Hood, who has been setting the standard for years. Yes, sir. In the city. So, you know, we're just trying to do what we can to fit in. You know, I don't know how much space will it wind up being for us, but we still going to do what we do, you know. I do it out of spite, uh, if anything, you know. That's kind of where I'm at nowadays. But anyway, <laughs> let's bring it up a little bit. This is the Running with War show. Back on the scene another Thursday, talking a bunch of smiggity smack on basketball throughout the land, NBA, college, you know, whatever you want, man. We we might even start talking some high school. I guess they got they getting the high school ballers back uh, in. And you know they finally letting them play some. So maybe, maybe we'll get into that a little bit uh, in the coming weeks. But you know we're gonna do to primarily they're just gonna talk some NBA stuff and some uh, college as well. A couple of teams uh, in the area in Illinois, uh, you know particularly, uh, you know they're chat they're chat they they're up there in the rankings. They're challenging. You know that's sort of what we was talking about the Paul because the Paul. Was looking like a team that could have been challenging before the year, but they really got smacked up with COVID stuff, and they just been underplaying. You know, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard when you only play a half or a third of the games that you expect to play in the season, because you know uh, 
uh, cancellations and stuff. But at the same time, you got to take care of yourself. It's just like anything else. You got to take care of yourself if you want to do these type of things out here and, and uh, playing these games and stuff. If you can't do that and play those games, then how can you expect to uh, be successful and, and get the wins that you need to get in the tournament and, and what else, you know, whatever else you want. So, but I will get into that in a little while. Uh, it's starting off, you know, just talk about some NBA. And um, let's talk Let's talk about the Bulls. We can talk about them in a pretty positive fashion. I think uh, coming, you know, coming off of yesterday's game, uh, a record-setting game, record-setting performance for uh, Zach and uh, Zach Levine and Cody White combined for uh, 17 threes. Uh, Zach had nine, I believe, and Cody had eight. And surprisingly, they go down as the first duo in NBA history to uh, have each have eight or more three-pointers in a game. You know, not even uh, the Splash Brothers have done that. Uh, Zach had a game high 46. Kobe, Kobe uh, with 32, uh, 30, excuse me. And um, yeah, what you know, let's, let's let's start off with that. I mean, the Bulls have been, you know, back and forth. They've had some great performances, not so great performances. You know, to, yesterday they played against a team that uh, was, you know, actually was strung together a few wins in a row. Uh, New Orleans did, but still a team that's underperformed for the uh, the the majority of this season. And um, you know, a lot of people focus it too on. Uh, on, on ball, um, you know, on Lonzo and, you know, uh, trying to project him into the Bulls roster. Unfortunately, he didn't have to switch jerseys during uh, his time at the United Center yesterday, but uh, he's still in New Orleans as of now. But but the Bulls didn't need him yesterday as far as running the offense go. They they got off. Uh, no, no, what, you, what you guys thought about the performance yesterday? I thought it was amazing that that was the first time two teammates had each yeah. hit at least eight threes, man, considering, you know, how prolific those guys in Golden State are. But I think that's old to the fact that uh, Kerr was typically selling those dudes out in the third quarter once they had already done all their damage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a good look, man. Um, it, it, it speaks to the potential that those two guys have when, on the court, when they're on the court together. Um, it kind of even makes me want to see Lonzo Ball there even more to, to see how his facilitating – would help them um, in a catch and shoot game and not have to put the ball on the floor for too many dribbles uh, in terms of just the game itself and in the, in the win, the kind of wild win. I think it, it's just, it's going to be the ebb and flow of this season, man. It's, you know, people were like ready to tank after they lost to Washington, um, kind of pushing one to put all, put all their chips to the middle of the table to try to secure a higher draft pick. Then after this game, People kind of settled down a little bit, but that's that's just the Bulls this season, man. They still got a lot to figure out. Um, they've had to rely heavily on their bench. Um, I think it's pretty well known that it hasn't been the core pieces. It hasn't been Wendell or Laurie or Kobe or even Zach that's kind of gotten these victories for them or helped them stay in games. It's been the bench. It's been the old guys, the old YMCA heads, man that have been uh, kind of the glue for that team, which is a little disheartening, even if it is um, exciting because it's more enjoyable to watch these close games. But 
you know, there's, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. AK and, and Eversley, I hope they're somewhere getting their plan together. And hopefully, hopefully it still involves keeping Levine around. Yeah, I mean, that's – I think for the most part, that that talk has died down. But you still hear some of it. But I think it's more so to – you know, in the, in the last week or two, it's been like, you know, this, this is stupid. We can't do this again. We've done this with, with D. Rose. We've done this with uh, with uh, 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 Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Butler. You know, we can't – you know, if we're going to build something here, let's actually keep the guy who's worth building around and not, you know, you, you use him as bait. No, bait for what? You know, for a, a draft pick that's maybe going to turn out to be half the player – that he's going to be, you know, I don't know. That, that yeah. doesn't make sense. I'm with you, Kyle, but Callie brought it up again. Another column today. Um, more yeah. so in terms of what if he, if, he, if he wants to play himself that way, that's so him. <laughs> in terms of uh, what they want to pay him. And his kind of cutoff mark seemed to be like 25 mil, but he thinks that Zach is going to be looking for, I think the max would, would uh, range out to 30 mil. And he wasn't willing to give that extra five because of the, in his eyes, the the less wiggle room the Bulls would have to actually put um, competent players around him. That's he, him. I mean, yeah, that's his budget. I, I you know, if you <laughs> want to put that extra five down, you know, maybe you can start a GoFundMe or something. I don't know, but, <laughs> but I, 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 but I, that is something to think about though, because the Bulls sort of got a. You know, got a way they they sort of got a bit of a, a discount a couple years ago with him because he was a player who had some projections about him, and they you know they got they they got him for what it was what twenty a year, mm-hmm. and yeah, and you know Sacramento bid on him, and you know when you know they it wasn't enough there, but you know it, he's he's proven to be worth twenty definitely, and I think he's worth twenty five. And I think if once you get certain contracts off on the back end from this team, you can probably pay him 32, you know, and you can, you know, there are teams out there who are playing two, who are paying two players at 30 mil. So the thing is, yeah, you want to get, you want to have enough space to give another person 30 and up to pair with him, but that's not impossible to do if you spend the money right on the back end, you know, if 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 Zach is giving you twenty eight a, a game, you know, and he's just entering his prime, yeah, give him thirty mil, and and but you got to make sure that you get another thirty mil guy with him. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that, if anything, that game where both Kobe White and Zach Levine went off and had the historical night. I think that's what really solidified. Not just Zach's worth, but Kobe's worth. Um, mm-hmm. Because Kobe White himself, you know, there was question marks heading into the season for, as far as if he can actually be the true traditional point guard that the Bulls want him to be. And the answer at this point is no. Not that nothing against him, but that's not his skill set. He's a scoring guard. He's the one that can fill up the basket. So if you talk about maybe getting a guy like Lonzo Ball in there without having to get rid of Kobe, yeah, that can make that can make sense, and you can actually put Kobe White in the right position for him to excel in the role that we know he can be, which is a six man off the bench 
or or if you want to do a, a, a three guard lineup with another point guard and having Kobe play the two and moves that to the three, that could be an option too. Um, especially since Billy Donovan's offense is not ball dominant. It's really supposed to be a lot of ball movement and and um, a lot of a lot of ball movement per se. So because of that, if you can make that work, go for it. But at the end of the day, the duo of Zach Levine and Kobe White actually works. If you actually put them in the right positions and, and let them actually play their games, the, the backcourt can work. It's what you can do with the other players to put around the right talent around those two for them to excel. And if you have to get rid of Kobe White to do that, to get a top-tier player like we talked about earlier, another 30 million guy, hey, you got to do what you got to do. But keeping that backcourt of Kobe White and Zach Levine for the long term, especially since they're both young, and Zach is like, and like Kyle mentioned, Zach is just entering his prime. The sky's the limit with the backcourt that the Bulls already have, especially with more practice over time. The question is what you're going to build around them. And if you don't believe Kobe White is that guy, who is that point guard you're going to be able to find to pair with a Zach Levine or pair with Kobe White even in the second unit? Um, to actually run that offense officially the way they want it to be done. And that's something that comes with a price. We know the Bulls front off management and ownership is relatively cheap, you know, but since you got AK and Mark Eversley there, um, this offseason, this past offseason kind of proved that, okay, the things might potentially turn because they realized how detrimental the change is needed to put the Bulls back in the right trajectory. Hopefully that could continue into the offseason, but Zach Levine, Zach Levine and Kobe White works, but Kobe White as your, your future point guard of this team doesn't. And you just got to – and maybe finding Alonzo Ball, which will be ideal for this team without having to get rid of Kobe, you might be talking something there moving forward. And then I, I saw something, um, some opinion on uh, Twitter, uh, I think last night, yeah, last night, where it was uh, – there was, there was some thought given to coming at – you know, holding off for the, this season and getting uh, trying to get a, a run on on Lonzo as a restricted free agent in the summer. You know, what do you think about that approach, Josh, as opposed to getting him in the uh, regular season here and making a trade? I think that's a good option, but it depends on what the Pelicans do, because the Pelicans themselves, you know, they they're trying to get value off of. A, a, off of a top-tier point guard. They know he's a restricted free agent, so if they wanted to come back, they'll pretty much match whatever contract comes their way. But the fact that they're putting him on a trade block, knowing that he's a re restricted free agent, shows that they actually want value back in return for this pick, for, for, for Lonzo. So you got to hope that whoever, if he does get traded and it's not to the Bulls, it's to another team, that that team themselves <clears throat> can make a pitch or whatever the case may be. If we can give them a nice offer that the other team won't match it, I, I think it can be done. But it, it really depends on what the Pelicans do, if they really try to keep Lonzo or if they end up keeping him or if they actually ended up trading him because of the fact they want so much, they want trade value back for him. And it may be at a price that the Bulls at this current point don't really want to pay. Yeah, and it, it's riskier too because then you risk another team kind of jumping in line and, and showing the Pelicans something that they might find more intriguing than – you know, a marketing or whatever it is, the Bulls would have to, to give up to get him. Chris, you got any thoughts on this? I, it, David Griffin <laughs> is, is proven as a GM, but he hasn't shown me too much in New Orleans yet. Just, um, I mean, they the, the Lakers deal was good. 
Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram in particular, just about what we thought, and mm-hmm. he's only going to get better. Um, I don't think he's. I don't know if he'll be LeBron, uh, or or you know the second coming of of insert name here, big guy who can jump in the NBA's past, but he's going to be a headline player for them. Out of that, with the Lewis, but he's a slasher. He's not a true point guard. And, you know, they're looking at moving J.J. Redick. So at, from, that, from that perspective, they're kind of looking to get what they can get, I think, rather than necessary value. I mean, everybody... Y'all hearing Chris? Nah. Yeah, some issues with Chris there. <clears throat> Let's see. All right. Let's see if Chris can rejoin us. If he can get straight. But anyway, uh, we have to pick it back up. Um, yeah. Uh, I guess you know. Yeah, there definitely is some risk that's involved with wait until the summer and um i guess you know the get the risk the risk reward factor reward in, in that though would be not having to give up you know one of your guys you no know, possibly one of your potential core players here and in, in you know be it be that a lorry maybe or you know maybe even a maybe even a Kobe, a kobe that they would ask for maybe but it seems that a lot of uh, attention, though, is, get, is as far as trades are going to, uh, for the Bulls are going to some of those. But like Drew said, with the YMCA guys, the older guys, <laughs> like uh, in particular Thaddeus Young and such. Mm-hmm. Let's see, Chris back. Oh, yeah. My internet connection looked like it was bugged out. Yeah. You uh, sound good now. I don't know how much, how much y'all got, but I think – with with New Orleans in the position that they're in, they haven't gotten a team together yet where they could they can um, really bargain, come to the table with anybody from a position of of, of leverage. I think they have yeah. guys that they want to move to who are at lesser value right now. Stephen Adams is. Uh, we saw the best of Stephen Adams in Oklahoma City at this point. JJ Reddick's riding the bench. They've got something in Kira Lewis. Willie Hernan Gomez looks looks lightweight decent, but you know you might be able to move Eric Bledsoe for somebody decent, and and Lonzo's their best trade chip right now, and even then, I would put the guys that the Bulls have over him, just because you wouldn't I wouldn't give up more than any combination of Garrett plus Thaddeus or Thaddeus plus Otto, even a hurt Otto or Lowry plus Garrett for Lonzo Ball. Part of that is because I don't like having a point guard who shoots 56% from the line, no matter how many good passes he can throw, because that's a liability in a close game at the end end of a close game. If you have a guy that you can foul, who's going to have the ball in his hands no matter what, that's a liability to me, and I will forever hold that against Lonzo Ball until he improves his shooting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's it might be one small it might be one small thing, 
but it's always going to be a big thing to me. When you get in these games that are in the playoffs and they come down to free throws at the tail end, somebody's going to get hacked if they can't shoot free throws. That's Giannis in Milwaukee. Yes. Yes. And so I've always been low on Lonzo because of that. But he's a solid defender. He's a good distributor. And he can hit – He can. his three-point stroke is, is decent. He's I, improved. I just, he's improved. I just don't know. The The only problem with the Bulls is that Lowry's hurt, Otto's hurt, and I don't want to give up on Lowry yet. So really the best guys that you have to trade are Temple, Thad, and Sato. Yeah, that's what we were just about to get into before you came back on. was like it seems like a lot of the, the trade attention is going to the older guys, the YMCA guys, uh, <laughs> as, as Drew said, you know, and those, and those are, I mean, I mean, I guess those were, those would be the guys that you want to sort of tempt uh, contending teams with, you know, because those are guys who have uh, established pro reputations and they do specific things. They they know that they they know that they're role players. They're not trying to develop into bigger, you know bigger name players, they're not playing for big contracts. Or nothing. They they know who they are. So, you know, I don't know. It, it is a precarious time for the Bulls. Like you say, Chris, they have some players who they would like to see more of, but they can't they can't see them because they're injured. But, you know, and, and also you're weighing your own ambitions. You're weighing against your own ambitions. Like, are we, you know, just how much are we trying to play for the playoffs? Let's we don't. I mean, none of us really know how much they're playing with playoffs. We all have our our ideas of what we'd like to see them do. Like none of us probably are tripping if they end up in the lottery again. But the Bulls, maybe that's a no go for them. Maybe that's, you know, so maybe maybe they don't want to get rid of nothing until and that's until the summer. And that's what again you have the uh, the whole issue of do you go do you make that gamble for restricted free agents or unrestricted free agents, as it were, in the summer, you know? I don't know. It's it's, it's interesting to, to think about, though, but we don't have, you know, we don't have access to all the thinking that's going on in the in the front office right now. One, one thing I wanted to ask, uh, because Drew, I saw Drew brought this up, and I don't know if it's something they could get in the draft, but if the Bulls had a guy who could distribute on the front court from that small or power forward position, uh, a guy like a Jokic or even like Scottie Pippen was for the Bulls of yesteryear. I think that would really help free up the backcourt. I think Drew was spot on with that. I don't know who that guy is that you could get. Um, if there's a guy like that in the draft that you would get in the first round, because um, I'm, I'm not with tanking. The Bulls tried to tank and they never got to the point, the place where they wanted to be anyway. And now the rules are tighter so that you don't have that lock on chance of getting in the top two or three. So I don't see a point to tanking necessarily if you're just going to kind of slow play it and get in the lottery. But if the Bulls had a guy who could distribute from the forward spot, I think that would help them more. Yeah, and I know that this is not an apples to apples. I think, uh, you know, I think you're talking more like a, like a point forward type because um, that's why Wendell, Carter's, Wendell Carter Jr.'s injury hurts even even more so because they would kind of use him, using him at the uh, elbow yeah. That's what I'm. That's what I meant. Like how they had Joakim at the working out of the high post, and now they're doing. Yeah. It. I think they do that here and there with Thad, but Donovan already said he's not going to commit a boatload of minutes to Thad, and 
other than Thad and and Wendell, you really don't have any other post players that can that can manipulate that position like that or those responsibilities. Gaffer is not ready for that that mm-hmm. job yet, so we kind of just stuck with just um, passing the ball around and just the ball moving being crisp like it was against New Orleans. But as we've seen, like it's man, every game is like a like a roller coaster ride with this team. You, you really don't know what you're gonna get. Um, it seems that Zach and Thad are the most consistent guys uh, that we have. And outside of that, it's like, man, who else is going to score for us? Who's going to play D? Um, well, Patrick Williams, too. Throw him in there, too. He's had a uh, a couple kind of uh, rookie wall-type games. But, man, it's slim pickings in terms of help for these guys. Yeah. And um- – it may, maybe that's the area again that they could, uh, you know, make a make something for themselves in the draft. Maybe a free agent in the in the coming summer. But yeah, that's that's definitely. I I put a I saw a nice uh, video from Bas the, the, this account basketball breakdown on YouTube, and I think I put it in uh, your last CSC post, Drew. And uh, it made it, it was making good compare. It made is made a great comparison of the Bulls def uh, Bulls offense under uh, uh, Boylan and um, their offense now. You know the the, the upgrades and the uh, improvements in the way that they've run their offense with Billy Donovan, and that was a that was a particular highlight of that video was the way that uh, Wendell was being used when he's available on the high post. And uh, it, it, I didn't, I didn't notice it as much when you know, it just in watching, observing the team, you know, in live time. But that video made it, it showed really well the possibilities that are there with him because he, he's, you know, of course he has his height, he can see well on the court, he has the penchant, the the willingness to pass. He's not a, he's not a ball hog guy, and you know, he's a good team player in that way, and he's. And you know, I could definitely see him being not necessarily as good as as uh, Joe Kim was in that role, but something close to it. If he, but again, you have to have him available. If he's not playing, if he's not playing consistently, you gotta, you know, you can't ever work him into that role because definitely that's a role definitely where you need to be on the court more times than not, and you have to be. A, a rock solid, reliable guy. If the D, if the offense is going to run sets around you and stuff like that, yeah. This this core group of guys, man: Otto Porter Jr. and Wendell and Laurie and Zach and Kobe. Man, obviously the writing is on the wall that all of these guys aren't going to be back. And I think, like on, on the on their tombstone, on that core's tombstone, should read like unfulfilled potential. Like whether it's coaching or or injury man it just sucks that we weren't able to see that group uh play any type of meaningful minutes together because of the, mm. the injuries that have ravaged that group man Donald Porter Jr. man he when he's when he's in there he's typically filling the role that they need him to, to to fill but just cannot escape those injuries this this it sucks man it it, it it the injuries and it sucked that we didn't get a real coach two years ago. <laughs> that would have that would have helped accelerate things quite a bit. 
was that the video you were talking about? Was that the one where they were showing how Boylan was having guys who can't dribble coming off screens and guys that yeah. can't popping out off a of screen? Like, dude, I don't know if this is laziness or you just really don't know your personnel, <laughs> man. Come on, man. He did. He didn't know the personnel at all. <laughs> he, I, he, yeah, I don't. He know. asked for thirty-five assists. <laughs> no matter how you get them, just give me no a matter how you get it, just get 35 assists. You get 35 assists for win a game. That's why they were so pressed to, to throw the ball, just throw it anyway. It was like, we got to get them assists. <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, I know we're in the age of analytics, but how can you tell a team, I don't want you guys taking any any in-between mid-range shots. These are threes or layups. Like, how do you do that? How do you just cut off some um, big piece of the curve? If you're Daryl Morey, you say, hey, I don't want you guys taking any mid-range jump shots <laughs> because we have these pieces of paper with spreadsheets that say, <laughs> this, area, say. this area is closed. This area is closed. This, this area is venture. This, this, this area is Andreana Furs. This area is Kmart. Oh, you did not just this go Andreana Furs. <laughs> I love it. I love this, it. This area is Omni. Y'all remember Omni? Y'all remember Cub Foods? It's yeah. Closed. Yeah. <laughs> Gold Antonio was there. Gold Blast. Yes. Yeah. He said, "My dad said I'll give you a little bit, but you only have seven seconds." <laughs> That's crazy. But he had he had Harden and and the proper pieces around Harden. You know? Right. That's the thing. People are trying to fit a lot of square pegs in the round holes with this. You got to take what you can get. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're going to Brooklyn. If Steve Nash says, Hey, all I want is for y'all to take three pointers, no matter what time of the game it is, they ain't going to win much. <laughs> They're not winning that much. Now you, you take Kevin Durant and say, Hey, KD, don't shoot no mid range, man. <laughs> don't do that. That's a, that's a nice place to jump off to. Cause Let's, I'm looking at these guys' results right now, and um, like, actually, yes, yesterday, the Nets, in, so, in somewhat of a miracle, gave up only 94 points to the Pacers. Hmm. And uh, let me see. Let me look at that. Let me look at that schedule once again. When was the first? When was the last time before that that they give up less than 100 points? <clears throat> uh, to, yeah, January 25th, they gave up 85 to the Heat in the win. Since then, they gave up 128, 125, 149 to the Wizards, 120, 123 to the Raptors in a loss, 124 to the 76ers in a loss, 122 to the Pistons in a loss, and they beat the Pacers yesterday. Uh, I mean, what what is up with that team, man? I mean, have they? I, I don't know. I don't know why the Pacers didn't score hundred yesterday on them. But you know, that, have they unlocked something? <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's the case. But uh, you know, what, what what is up with that team, man? They ain't got no defense. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> You think on sheer talent alone, they they've all played on teams that have played defense. Like even even Harden has played on teams that have played better. Like this is like you, you see all those numbers, man. Those are ridiculous numbers. J- James Harden, 
Sorry, sorry, Josh. Go ahead. My my fault. No, <laughs> no it's all it's all good, Chris. I just think they coasted, man. I just think they finally got. They know they got the three superstars. They got the arguably three of the top, arguably literally, arguably five to ten best players in the league on one team. New system. You know, I think it, I think they're just coasting. They're just trying to get to the playoffs. Once they figure out to get to the playoffs, then it's like, all right, cool. Maybe after All-Star break, we'll still see them turn it around a little bit, get more in-depth and more serious, things of that sort. Of. I just think they're just coasting at this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, sure. the sad, the, I'm, I'm sorry, Drew. No, go ahead, Kyle. I'm saying the sad thing is that they're still third in the East, so they probably could just do this for the rest of the season, get – get the third spot or even the fourth spot and have home court advantage in the first round and still feel like they could do whatever in the postseason. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think it's a it's it's a cultural thing, too. I mean, you got, other than, other than KD, you got two guys that really don't play much defense and were maybe hitting a little bit on some of those past teams who had guys who kind of to, to kind of uh, – Limited deficiencies. KD was playing D on Golden State, man. Again, culture. It's a different type of setup, man. You got championship culture versus, you know, what Kyrie had in Cleveland before LeBron got went there and whatever that and, was. And in Golden State, you had a guy getting in his ass about playing exactly. defense exactly. that he wanted to get away from. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on the bench, you got Steve Nash and, and Dan Tony who aren't known. You know what I mean? These aren't defensive yeah. guys. So – I'm sure there's a, there's a part of them that feels like we're going to roll this ball out here and you better pray that you can keep up with us scoring-wise. We don't think you can, but you can try. They're going to play the rest of the season like the entertainer's basketball classic, man. <laughs> they, they, they need to get a brother out there, a uh, loudmouth brother with a mic on, you know, mm-hmm. calling their plays on, <laughs> on the court. And, Oh baby! Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and one tour real quick. Right. Oh my god! Playing, Bring it playing, back. 90, playing Biggie over the the PA system <laughs> while they playing uh, every every play. They this you know they they got this make it a whole thing, man. You know that's what they doing. <laughs> I mean, who were the guys that they had who could play defense? They they let him go. I'm gonna say his name again. Yeah. Always. Jared Allen, mm-hmm. they let go Tarian Prince. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie wasn't a, a defensive, a known defensive guy, but they lost him for the season, which was unfortunate. Yeah. And even, you know, the guys on the wing who could stick some D, they aren't there. So you got DeAndre Jordan, who's, who's for all his, his talents, is 32 now in a faster-paced NBA, and Joe Harris. Who's not out there to play D? He's out there to he's out there to be a sharpshooter, man. Yeah. So either either James Harden is going to have to prove that his his highlight against Lugans Dort wasn't just a one time thing, because you know Kyle, when you say it, you just roll out the roll the ball out there and outscore us, teams have tried that in the past when the NBA got fast paced. Those '80s Nuggets, they tried it. Those um. Who was it? The run TMC Warriors. They tried that and they made the playoffs. And even with three superstars, the NBA has put such a premium on scoring that once you get to those first couple rounds of the playoffs, it's not a done deal, even if you have these guys. Now, KD will carry them. KD will 
you know, no disrespect to Kyrie Irving, disrespect to James Harden, but KD will carry them to to at least the second round. But I I don't necessarily think they can just coast on the fact that they can stand there and slug it out with cats. They they're gonna get hit with a body shot at some point that's gonna fold them. And they won't be able to come back from a point blank period. This Nets team is incomplete. That's yeah. a good way of putting it, though, uh, Chris. Incomplete because we still have a second half of a season that includes a trade deadline, that includes buyout season. There's going to be some mm. pretty, you know, strong guys that are veteran players that are not, that can provide those defensive components, cover up the lack the lack of what they're missing, and they have at least three roster spots to do that with. So you, depending on how that goes you may get that additional help along the way, and that can completely change the, change the direction and projection of where this team should be, which is championship or bust. Yeah. And, um, you know, just looking at elsewhere in the East, you know, start at the top. You know, uh, Sixers, man, they still – a couple weeks ago, we saw the size of Sixers up. And, um, you know, they were leading the East then, but they – their, we had saw that their schedule was pretty lopsided, lopsided in regards to them playing most of the games at home and also lopsided in regards to them playing most of the games against the East. Well, when you look at the, the last nine games that they've played, they've gone 7-2, and two and they've, uh, they're engaging right now in the West Coast trip, and they've, uh, you know, meaning, and they've played most of their games I think in this in this most recent stretch against the Western Conference, they've gone like I said seven and two in their last nine. They're still atop the East. You know, have have y'all been paying attention in the past week or two with with them? They seem they seem to be uh, holding on pretty good. I, I've I've been I'm, I'm continuing to be impressed with them. And and uh, they play uh, Portland tonight They're at Portland. They got the Suns and the Jazz still to go. As they uh, make their way back east, uh, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, Philly's doing. Philly's uh, holding up there. It's that seven oh eight effect, baby. Doc Rivers doing his thing up there. Maywood, <laughs> baby. You bring it. You bring it. That Maywood too. Maywood. So Josh, Josh on one. Seven oh eight, baby. We out here. So Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers has done a tremendous job. Tremendous job with with this team. And I say it's a Chicago effect because we know how Doc Rivers coaching-wise has been, especially in the regular season. But it's also a Chicago effect because effectively in the, in the playoffs, Doc Rivers has been very inconsistent, including the fact that, you know, he's, been, he's blown 3-1 leads in the playoffs. So I look at this team as, okay, we expect them to do what they're supposed to do in the regular season. We expect them to maintain. We expect them to, you know, improve over time. We expect them to ball out. But when these playoffs come – how deep they going? How, who and who's going to be that goat? Is is Joel Embiid going to keep going to keep up what he's doing now into the mm. postseason? Is Ben Simmons going to show up to where if he he can give more than what more of an impact as, on the offensive game than he has been in past off seasons? Is Doc Rivers not going to blow any type of lead? Is he going to actually make coaching adjustments? You know, these are things that, quite frankly, but on the especially on the superstars and top tier coaching levels that. And this, this combination and group of people have had on a consistent basis year after year. So for me, Philadelphia, I'm not surprised by their what they're doing on, on the in the regular season. Not, we expect that because that's what they're known to do. Even last year, I think they only lost like three games at home all year long. So like that's a given. 
But what are they going to do in the playoffs? I need to see what they're going to do in the playoffs to see if this is really this year in this specific team and this specific core group with this coaching staff is truly the direction that they need to go. Because if Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid can't cut it, at least go past the first or second round, <clears throat> you got to figure out what you're going to do next. That's going to be your next question. What are they going to do next? Yeah. Because this, this duo right now is not taking them as deep as they need to go. And past years have proven that. Hopefully this year, maybe this year can be different. The pressure's going to be on and definitely when the playoffs get there. But with teams like this that that have a certain breaking point or, you know, they had a, like a glass ceiling. We've seen teams like this before. They've had glass ceilings and they, you know, had to break them through. A big part of that evolution of a team like that is, you know, role players who you get to surround those those top guys with who may have, you know, whatever deficiencies they may have in regards to play. But, you know, you, you still need a whole team. You need a complete team to make it. And I think it, it's looking like Seth Curry is that main guy, at least. They've made a couple moves, but it looks like Seth Curry is that main additive that they've had this year. Uh, there's been a, a good bit of talk about him in the past couple of games. People are noticing <clears throat> that he is on pace right now to be the only guy in NBA history to do a 50, 50, uh, 90, which is, you know, ha like I said, that hasn't been done. 50, 40, 90 has only been done like eight, nine, eight times in the history of the league. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's shooting 50 from the, from the floor, 50 from three point and 90 over 90 from free throw. So, like wow. Seth, man, he, he he's making his way, and you know he he's it, it, it's funny. Like the big bro has come back this year. He's <laughs> he's playing like his old self again. But Seth is he may have a chance to make an impact too this year. Well, with the Sixers, and uh, I saw uh, there's another tweet here uh, for the win on USA Today. <clears throat> highlighted this t another tweet in a report about him. That says he they're fifteen and three when he plays this year. So he's uh he's making an impact there with Philly, and that's just the type of thing. And, and you look too at the the team that he that he left Dallas, and they're struggling a bit. You know they they're another team that's sort of a a a, a, a crapshoot. You know day in and day out, and part of that has to do with the shooting that they lost. From uh, you know, from Seth going away, so you know, you know, big up to Seth Curry, man. If we had to play, uh, if we had to put out a, a role player of the week, maybe that's something we should start doing, like a role player of the week or something. Like he's he's the one this week for that. Family affair, brother. It's a family affair. <laughs> that's that's the more like, the more effect too, man. Get more shooting yeah. around around MB and. Simmons and Embiid has been playing out of his mind. That has not hurt either. That dude is right. Got to be top two, top three in terms of um, early MVP candidates. Uh, he probably That's get my vote today. So, as much as I love Jokic, I think you get what you loot, what you might lose in the playmaking, passing. You you get and then some with the defense with Embiid. Who, who would you who would you put as the third guy right now? I saw him talking on TNT the other day. They was. They was bigging up LeBron a, a bit now. Should we? Is this another year where we're we're sleeping on LeBron? No, no, I don't think we're sleeping on him, but I don't think he deserves to be 
I know they. Where, where are they? Are they? Are they first or Jazz? Jazz still are locked up that one seed right now, right? So Lakers are two. No, I don't. I don't think LeBron. You know, kudos to him. Fantastic longevity is bar none, but I don't think he's top three in the MVP race right now. Um, I don't have the stats right now to back it up, but I don't. I don't think he's at that level in terms of where he ranks among the best in the leagues, like in, in assists and points and all those those usual suspect numbers that he has um i think Jokic and Embiid need to be ahead of him in this conversation maybe donovan that, mitchell that's something crazy. too like if you talk uh, about donovan mitchell donovan mitchell mm-hmm. yeah i'm saying I was, I was just saying you know that's something if even if it's just those two like uh, uh what, what was the last time you'd have seven two seven footers be top three in the I mean, and with two seven footers that tra- that are playing the traditional center position, being top three in uh, in MVP vote, you know, if that was to happen. Wow, good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe it had to be if there was a year, maybe either mid nineties with the Admiral Probably. and Hakeem, yeah. or, or, or if, Admiral um, and Shaq. If like if if Shaq was when Shaq was getting MVP looks when KG won in 04, if if Shaq would had a had an MVP type season, but <clears throat> no, nah, not 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 for a while. Yeah. Who was the last center to get MVP? Is it that far off? Is it KG? Is KG the last? Mm. Man, let me see. Yeah, I don't think it'll be KG. Hmm. Unless, unless you want to go the route um, of Tim Duncan. Yeah, that's what I was. That that'll be a, the other one. Because I know yeah, everybody yeah. put him at the power of, forward spot, but right, right. He was kind of the center. Yeah. Man. Hmm. This I want to just throw in the, the Sixers bench. I wanted to see what y'all felt about that because we talked about Seth Curry. Uh, my guy, Shake Milton, I've always liked him since he came out of Southern Methodist. He's stepped up his scoring a lot this season, but it's kind of just a few more points, and he's not adding too much else on the sheet other than uh, more scoring. He's only shooting about 30% from three. So their bench is kind of lackluster in Philadelphia past those two guys. Oh, yeah, we'll have to see. I mean – and then in the playoffs, the the bench shortens does shorten a bit, so maybe they won't need much more than that. But you know, yeah, it, it would be nice to see more all of, of a deeper bench mob type effort. You know, you always like to see that type of thing from a contender. Yeah, and not to mention as well, Tyrese Maxey, mm-hmm. that brother right there, gonna be big time. Yeah, they got big time. They got five players yeah. averaging double figures, and he's right there at I think nine points a game. So, yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. He's gonna need something his game to another level. He got the right. He got the right brother to help him do that. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got that. He's gonna have that tough Maywood. In, Maywood. Wait, in the okay. Him, <laughs> Josh must got <laughs> Josh on speed dial. He calling him Glenn on the weekends. <laughs> right. He like hey. big big hey. brother Glenn. Hey, you know, my fam Proviso East runs in my family. My mom's a graduate. So oh, he went okay. he's a he's a Proviso East. I'm a mate. I grew up in the in Maywood. 
you know, Maywood's part of my life. You know, I'm moving there. So it's like, it's part of my life. So Proviso East, Doc, Doc yeah. Rivers came from, uh, you know, PE. We, yeah. we going to have to see it. Josh, Josh, Josh yeah. going to be competing with Will Bond to see who, who drops the Doc, Doc Rivers name the most on TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, uh, that 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 got me to thinking. You talking about Doc and uh, his uh, his impact on the young guard. Let's talk about another Chicago, a, a, a true Chicago guy, and his impact on the on the young guard out in New York. You know, uh, let's 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 go let's go into the Derrick Rose situation. You know, last week we gave our flowers to D Rose along with Ashish, who was a, a, a stellar performance in his first time. Has anybody, has anybody checked on him now that he's actually in New York? That Rose <laughs> Yeah, I know. He said he didn't want it. He said he didn't want yeah. it. Maybe y'all see him on – I haven't seen him on Twitter recently. I haven't He may have to step back a little bit. He ain't going to say nothing that – he ain't going to say nothing to hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> but, but see, there, there may be some more – there is a little bit of, of that going on as far as the fans go at least because – I think that the main issue is, you know, D Rose's impact on the backcourt in New York. And a lot of, you know, the latest guy who they've fallen in love with has been Emmanuel Quickly. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I don't know how much attention y'all have, have given him, but apparently he's been showing some good stuff as a rookie. And, um, you know, what do y'all, what do y'all think? Like, we, we talked about this last week with Rose. Like, we wanted to see him go somewhere, and we wanted to see him, uh, you know, play on a more contending team. And he is, you know, New York is definitely a contending team, more so than Detroit. They have a good chance to make the playoffs this year. You figure with uh, Tibbs as their coach, Tibbs is going to maximize the wins from he, – he, he pretty much maximizes wins from any team that he coaches. So he's going to squeeze out the wins that he needs to get that team in the playoffs. And D Rose is gonna be part of that plan, but you know, is he, do you think he's gonna have a negative impact on this uh, on this young guard out there who, uh, you know, uh, for, for, you know, we you, who, you, who you can hardly tell what impresses New York fans. You know, New York fans are they they get impressed by the wildest stuff. But I but I would I would guess that quickly, you know, he's a, a Kentucky guy. Kentucky guards in particular usually ready to play in the league right away. So he, you know, he's probably doing his thing. But do y'all, do y'all think that Rose is in the right place for one? And is is New York, you know, but could he be hindering New York's development in any way in regards to, you know, obviously quickly he's going to be the guard of the future, not D-Rose. So, you know, what, what do y'all think about that whole situation? Man, look, personally – I am hurt that he did go to New York. I wanted to go to a better team where he can actually have a championship aspirations. Um, I wanted him to at least try to get one ring before he goes out this league. But there's a quote that came or a report from, and a quote that came from Ian Begley as of recent, uh, who covers the Knicks and New York basketball very well, but for sure the Knicks for a long time. Oh, yeah. I guess it came out today that Derrick Rose reportedly told the Pistons coach, Dwayne Casey, 
before he was traded that uh, he said, coach, I've got so many miles. I, I've only got so many miles left in my legs. I want to make sure I go to a situation where I have the chance to make the playoffs this year. And I think in order for him to fulfill that, the most comfortable route for him to go was probably the Knicks because it's familiarity. Um, he And everyone knows that, like you talked about before, Tibbs knows how to get the best out of his players, even when Derrick Rose was hurt during his time in Chicago. Bulls made the playoffs every year, um, yeah. even with little Nate Robinson. <laughs> you know, we, we, made it, we made it to the playoffs with him as our, as our main guy. And on top of the fact that I think since Derrick Rose knows that he doesn't have much mileage left, um, the fact that he can go to a familiar place where he's already played in New York, he already played it with the Knicks before, so he knows New York as in general. He knows Tibbs. He knows that he do, he knows that he's ready to take on this mentorship mantle um, from a veteran perspective. Because um, Killian Haynes, who was a Killian, he was a point guard for the uh, Pistons, the rookie that they drafted this year. He even talked about how learning from Derrick Rose was such a huge thing for him that really helped take his game to another level, even though he hasn't gotten as much experience on the court as of yet. So to have that um, for Emmanuel quickly, especially for Emmanuel quickly, I think it's going to be different than most point guards that Derrick Rose has worked with because he has the Calipari connection. Calipari coached, you know, Derrick Rose at Memphis. Emmanuel quickly played under Calipari at Kentucky. Um, so since they have that connection, Derrick Rose will know what, what are the right buttons to push to get someone like an Emmanuel Quickly who has shown promise to that next level. And I don't think he will hinder him per se because we know Tibbs is going to play to win and he loves the heck out of Derrick Rose. So he may literally run Derrick Rose till his wheels fall off. But at the end of the day, the overall component of growth and being in the right environment to help accelerate that growth Derrick Rose is one of the one of the most ideal guys that you could play with. We have to remember, people, those a lot of those players that are on that New York Knicks team, like the Julius Randles and such, they grew up watching Derrick Rose in the prime. Um, they saw him do the things that he did with his MVP season and things that, and, and watch him go through his injuries, go through his injury seasons and everything. So they look, they're not just looking up to Derrick Rose as another player. They're looking to him as like an idol per se, as someone that, you know, like. God in a sense for them because of the fact that that was one of his one of the go-to players at that time during those age age groups where they was like wow he's on top of the league he's one of the best of the best so to learn from that and have that presence in your locker room on a daily basis especially especially since we know how humble Derrick Rose is how understanding he is how and how much of a team guy he is to have that under that familiarity with Tibbs and the connection with Calipari I think that was just the right ideal situation for him, even though I personally wanted better for him. I think that was just the best fit for him for the overall projection of maybe how he even wants to end his career. Chris, Chris, is he is he repping the foes now, man? He he wearing the number four, man. He he, he switched. I thought he was folks, man. He, he repping the foes now. Man, don't don't ask me about that, man. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a square, bro. I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing about this. Everybody was dropping all that Lori's the Lori Lori Mo stuff, and I was like, I don't I don't know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you wearing the Travis Best number, and that's not even New York, man. I don't even. I can't remember. I, I can't remember the last number four who played for New York. That's how. That's how. Nate Robinson. Nate. 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 Did Nate, 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 Nate wear four in New York? Nate wore okay. four in New York. What do you okay. wear? But did he wear two? That's a good question. You wore both, I think. It is okay. I, I thought, but I, I thought that was like, nah. 
I know he wore four in college, but hey, if it was if it was Nate, that's fine. Um, Josh, Josh makes a good point, and I think it's also because Tibbs in Chicago had a reputation that he didn't like to play rookies, uh, but it seems like that softened. Quigley's played Quigley's played more than half the more than three quarters of the schedule for New York, and he's done fairly well. Uh, it's it's so funny that the Knicks had all these power forwards. Everybody was like, "Oh, the Knicks have all these power forwards." The Knicks have a ton of guards too, and there's a lot of guys who are like Alec Burks and and he's uh, he's more of a swingman at six seven. But Kevin Knox has kind of fallen out of the wayside. Alfred Payton's there, and if if anybody who's not gonna who's going to get supplanted, it's those guys rather than quickly. Like like Josh said, Tibbs wants to win. More than anything else, he wants to put wins on the sheet. And if Quickly's helping them put points on the board and not a complete liability on defense, then he's going to get in the game and play. And New York, after all this time, Knicks fans want to see wins too. Um, So if they can inch towards the playoffs and if Quickly's the guy to help them do it, I think that he's going to see he's going to see time and and Rose. Everything Josh said is on point. Rose is a vet, and he wants to help guys get where they can. I think he, in terms of money, he's he's got enough money. I really think he does. He still has the Adidas deal in place. He's going to be able to watch his kids grow up. And, you know, it's weird that we're talking about Rose like he's a friend of the family, but that's who he is to us, right? So right. we, the Rose that we know doesn't necessarily he, – he would like to win a championship. I, I think he's that type of competitor where he's still, he's still going to go to sleep thinking about winning a championship some nights, but there's some nights he just wants to see PJ get that college degree and, and do his thing. So however much – time is left on his odometer i bristled a little bit because he's 32 and i'm 32 and y'all were talking about him like he's about to retire and i was like damn <laughs> man, you're not that old <laughs> however much he thinks is left on his uh nba odometer uh he's gonna play it out but i i don't think he'll take quickly's minutes just looking at his stats if if he's a guy who can if he's a guy who can contributes to to the plan that the in place if Rose coming to yeah, Rose coming towards the end of his career makes us all feel old. Because we all saw the beginning. We've seen the beginning, the middle, and the end with him. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I was looking up. I, I was looking up. I you know, at him re- wearing four, and um, I guess part of it is that Reggie Bullock, who should he should unask that number to. Take some old New York slang, you know. He he could unask that number twenty five that he's wearing and give it to Rose. But maybe I guess Rose maybe Derek is being polite. He just wanted to wear the number four. Is this his fourth team? Was it? Is he? Nah, he was on the Bulls. Jazz, Minnesota Jazz. Did he really play for the Jazz? Oh no, right? Nah, they could have won. He never played for the Jazz. He played a couple for the for the Cavs. Yeah, he played for Cavs. So Bulls, New York, Cavs, Minnesota, Detroit, Detroit. Oh, he's played more than fourteen. So I'm, yeah, I don't know what he. Yeah, has, so it's not out there why he's winning number four, but you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he has his maybe he has his reason. But it was that was Derek Smith's number who got traded. 
So I guess the number was available. Maybe that was maybe it was simple as that that the number was available for him. So, yeah, anybody with the eyes well up looking at that picture of him and Jimmy in two different uniforms? Is, ah. <laughs> it's 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 just uh, you talk about missed opportunities we talked about earlier. Right? Yeah, man. That's, sometimes, that's a defining missed opportunity. Sometimes you just you just get you get snake bit, you know. Those uh Cubs fans from the eighties can can talk about it, you know. They were they were close. And just yeah. they just didn't get there. Yeah, it, we yeah, every every Chicago team got arrows like that, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was but you know. As long as they feel good about where they at, nah, that's all I, I, that matters. We, we'll bear the brunt of, of the bad decision-making that <laughs> was done by Gar Pax. But uh, let's, uh, speaking of, of decision, of executive decisions, I want to go into this whole thing with Dallas and the National Anthem. And uh, that, you know, sort of started off the week as a big, as a big news story. And it got subsequently shut down by the league and Adam Silver, who said, "You know, we ain't offending no white folks. Man. We we ain't doing, we ain't in the business of that." And I think, uh, I think it shows that you know, there really isn't, as far as progressive thought goes, or just you know, things, you know that that sort of left leaning thinking. Or you know, even you, uh, if you want to wrap it into some pro-black thing or whatever, like there's no refuge of that in professional sports. It's either get down or lay down in regards to corporate sponsorship and American good old American values and non-political uh, correctness. You know, you, you can't. Aff- These leagues are not, especially in this time. This day and age, in in a year where you know everyone is losing money and they're trying to welcome fans back, that's that's what that's what it comes down to. They don't want people to get go into these arenas and face themselves or face their country. They they just want to do what what's been done for decades on end and just say, look, this is a this is a safe place for you and your. Uh, and, and and your thoughts on America, your you know as as warped or uh, you know uh, misdirected as they may be, we got you. You know we you don't have to face that here, even though even though it may offend our players, a certain number of our players, maybe most of them, even if it may, it, it, you know, I I I, I it, 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 to me it. It's, it's it's it made you know it, it the whole issue I could just I could go on for a while about my thoughts on the anthem and this place in sports and stuff, but you know when I first saw that Cuban and this decision was made in Dallas, like I was like, man, maybe this is the time that we can actually make a breakthrough with this, but uh, no, it, it's not happening. And, uh, I don't know what what you guys think about that. To that point, though, where you just left off, I thought that would this would be the perfect time to make the statement because I mean you talk about money and yeah. of course it's all about money. The All Star Game, them trying to throw in this 
slam dunk competition at halftime of the All Star game. It's all money, money generated, or, or you know, with money at the at the forefront. But yeah. I think they could have gotten away with it because what sponsor is going to pull, knowing that knowing the reasons why the anthem's not getting played? Like they're going to get backlash from that too. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. so I, I thought that this this could have been another stepping stepping stone from where the NBA and Adam Silver were in the bubble, all of the steps they took. Um, this could have been another big one. I think it's funny that how many games passed before anybody really noticed? Like, if the National Anthem 13, was up, I believe. why did it take 13 games for you to notice that it was yeah. missing, you know? I don't and care. That, that's that's the underlying thing about it. Yeah. yeah. That's, the, that's the underlying thing about it. 13 games, they played 13 games. It didn't. They didn't need it. Why do you need it going forward? And, and you know, in general, I would just say, like, look, you should have the freedom to acknowledge it or not acknowledge. It. Yep. Like, you know, go and this goes back to, uh, you know, go to Chris Jackson to, you know, uh, you know to, yeah, to, but he, he, yeah, but you know. He, but you know he was he, his thing were on the court with the with directly with the flag and with the anthem, and he didn't want to not he did he, I mean he he didn't even really disrespect it either he just prayed during it. Mm-hmm. and uh, people had issue with that you know if you if if you're a team if your team your organization and you feel that you don't need it at your games you should be free to to not have it at your games if if you're a player and you want to kneel or and, and technically, they allowed people during the bubble to kneel because there was so much attention on the bubble and what everything, what all they were doing in the bubble. But now that they're trying to get everything back to normal, it's like, oh, straighten up and fly right. So, it's, you know, I, I just think you should allow people to have freedom. We, we talk about what the flag means and what it's supposed to represent. Let the brothers have the freedom to, to acknowledge it or not acknowledge it. Good point. I wonder what Mahmoud Abdul Ralph would feel if he was playing these games today. <laughs> and he's been protesting all this time. And, he, and let's just say he was on the team where he was protesting and they weren't playing the national anthem. And then all of a sudden you get a memo saying you can't protest, you can't do X, Y, and Z anymore because you got to play this anthem. It's, it's a given. Like, I wonder how that reaction would be in, even in today's era because. What blows me with the NBA, especially as of recent, because Kyle, you know, I've been a huge advocate for the NBA and their social justice movements. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, especially since this pandemic, how much of a when does when does when does money over over overrule the values that you represent that you want to represent for yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, if you as a league, you you've pretty much made it known that, especially in the players' league like the NBA, you've made it known that you know. Athletes can have the right to do X, Y, and Z. They can do what you know. They can have their own platforms. They can do whatever they can to give back to the community, and they'll assist them in every way, shape, or form. If the issues still remain, and that includes one of the original issues that white America has made it made it, which is the flag in itself. Why is it that now it's now it's a problem when the issue has never been resolved? Like. That's 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 what that's what kills me. You can't start a movement and join a movement, especially as big as the NBA did, with you know, like like with with, with the the bubble. 
you know, the protesting in the bubble, kneeling during the national anthem, being able to protest and lock arms and show signs of unity and things of that sort. Was yeah. that just a, was that actually a movement? Or was it just for show now? Because mm. because now these issues still aren't resolved. What those issues that were that you were present were you know fighting for and showing solidarity with at that time are still happening today. And at this point, there has been no change. So, what's stopping you from allowing athletes to continue to show how they feel, especially in a league that is predominantly black? Like that's it's a league that yeah, a league. This league is built off black labor. It is powered and marketed largely through black creativity. And you know, I think to not allow black people in this league to have the the at least the option to to be able to act the way they want and acknowledge, the, like I said, acknowledge the flag if you want. If you don't want to acknowledge it, then you shouldn't have to be forced to. To be able to to for uh, Silver and the league to say, look, we just we gonna have this. You gonna do this, or you gonna be fined, or you gonna be dealt with by the league. I think is it takes some balls for them to do that. Like you said, Josh, especially in the wake of what happened last year, in particular in this history, this recent history that they've had, where they tried to purport themselves as being uh, 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 being active allies for Black Lives Matter and for pro-Black civil rights-rooted uh, movement. You can't do those things and then just, uh, you know, be so restrictive in this in this instance. I think it's hypocritical for, at the least. Would it would it would it help matters if you know them going back to playing the national anthem? If okay, they do that to appease the part of the contingency that wants to still um, use that as, as, a, as a symbolic gesture for their love for their country, but they also still allow players to, like you said, Kyle, to be able to kneel, lock arms, whatever they want to do. If if we don't. <laughs> Hearing yeah, it, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you, you just let allow, everybody just do what they want in terms of allow the choice and, or not, right? Allow the choice. And beyond that, though, the thing see, the thing with, with Dallas and and um, you know, Cuban has spoke to this is that he said that they have had conversations within their organization and within their community regarding the way that the anthem and, and the presentation of the anthem before again, the way it makes people feel. So I'm guessing that they talk to black people within their organization, players, and hopefully beyond uh, the the roster, people, black people, and other people who are in the organization, and people within the community of Dallas, or whatever, because that's that's the community that's largely feeding into their stadium. You know, hopefully, they, if if you can have if you have a conversation to that degree, and you find that your your uh, the people who you represent as a team, as a franchise, your constituents, as it were, uh, if they feel that like we don't need the anthem at our games, then you sh again, you should, as an organization, you should be able to say, look, we don't want to do this before our games. We we will have some other acknowledgement, you know, we will have our own acknowledgement or whatever. We we want to play the black national anthem, we'll play that. But you know, or if we want to play. <laughs> We want we want to play uh, Aqua Boogie by by Parliament Funkadelic. We'll play that before the game because that's essentially that's what you, you can play anything. It, it, you, all you're doing is playing a song before a game. We don't play any. We don't have any ritualistic thing before 
entertainment that we that we will have to play a song before, not even that anthem. It's not played before movies. It's not played before plays. It's not played before, uh, you know, award shows. You know, it's, you know, why is sports have to, why does sports have to carry this baggage and this weight with, uh, you know, uh, our militaristic, uh, you know, uh, jingoistic past? You know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And that speaks to the hypocrisy because the same people that want this anthem played are the same people telling athletes not to politicize sports. Yes. <laughs> Key is stick yeah. to sports. Yeah. Are we sticking to sports or not? <laughs> right. I mean, and, and, and I think it's very important to highlight, you know, the Mark Cuban effect because Mark yes. Cuban has been known to be a proponent for his players. But at the same time, I think especially since he had that scandal in his front office, and his, and and within his organization as a whole, that with the um, the sexual harassments and things of that sort, I think it really brought an extra light to his advancement of what it means to be a people person. And he took that to another level to where now he's not only speaking out for everybody, including black black civil rights and everything, but he's actually calling out he's called out politicians. He said, you know, f Trump on a on a on a on Jamil and Carrie Champion stick to stick to sports show. You know what I mean? Like he's talked to these people to be an Amer a true American citizen that is sensible, a sense that is that is very sensitive to minority issues, and that, that's part of those issues. He's actually been a proponent for Colin Kaepernick and things of that sort. And we have to remember, none of this would have happened if it wasn't for Colin Kaepernick. So, if you want to, if you want to talk about the hit, the real root of where the problem is, the problem obviously still remains. They don't understand what it truly means to protest. They don't truly understand what it means to fight for, for social justice, especially in the minority in the black and brown communities. And they don't know even where to begin, even how to resolve those things because they, want, they don't even want to open themselves to the idea of relativity or open themselves to the idea of unity if it doesn't bother their top dollar. And now because it's bothering their top dollar, now they got a problem. Now they got to scale back because Master has other has other companies master has other sponsorships that's controlling how much revenue we can bring in so you have to you there's, there's, there's you can't play a fine line it's either one or the other or you got to find a way to where if you want to break it a fine line it got to be better than what you just did by putting a restriction on what you can and cannot do from a protest perspective which is very similar to what the nfl tried to do especially since kyle kaepernick did his protest Chris, you got anything? You've been a little quiet. Yeah, personally, um, I, I remember feeling a lot of pride when I was in uh, Boy Scouts, especially in hearing the national anthem. It, it felt like it really meant something, um, especially when it got to the I think the home of the the home of the brave part is it was something that always really struck me. I really I remember really feeling that in my heart. I mean, you said like you were the, brave, bro. Right. I mean, like, especially once I got to college, that was the part um, that was, you know, that was the thing. That was our thing. It was like home of the Braves and everybody shouts Braves. Yep. And then subsequently in the last, you know, 15 years, it's come to it, the meaning is, is changed implicitly. Like the country was always built off some sort of bravery. Right. But that bravery was, you know, slaves knowing that 
no help was coming and tomorrow might be the last day, but still kind of facing upward towards with, with some sort of hope that the next people might make it and so on and so forth. And immigrants who came over um, from, from China and East Asia and the, the West Indies for the same thing. And then um, just the black women and oppressed people of the, of the 20th century, um, gay and, and gender queer people now who have had the same, who have been fighting the same fight over and over and over and over. And I always kind of juxtapose that with the line before it, the land of the free. And they come at kind of opposites. They're always butting up against each other. Those brave people aren't necessarily the people who are free. And so it, it becomes, uh, the song itself was always uh, kind of like, I think somebody mentioned uh, outside of, of here, there's had to be somebody at home because I haven't really been out of the house, uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, how we always had the Pledge of Allegiance in school. And that was, sure. when you look back, that's kind of weird, right? I mean, the song itself is kind of used as, as nationalist indoctrination, propaganda, what have you. It doesn't make it necessarily untrue. Like people who went to war, who came back not knowing that not knowing what they were going to get, or who ended up getting the same raw deal they got before they left, still brave. But I don't I don't need the song anymore. I don't feel the same, other than the fact that I feel pride in those brave people who are still fighting. That's the only thing it reminds me of, and I don't need a song to remind me of that specifically. So there's there's really no reason to play it. There there really hasn't been a reason to play it other than to remind everybody that this is the country that you live in and you better, you know, those love it or leave it bumper stickers that assholes have on the back of their trucks. Um, there, I don't know if y'all watch uh, Brockmire, the show with Hank Azaria, the, the baseball show, but they had a, they had a, um, a surreal moment in their last episode of the final season, the series finale, where there's this technology that's invented that's kind of like Alexa or Siri, but that everybody wears and is they're almost in like a VR state. And because of the fact that they've got these earbuds and these these uh, sunglasses on, beaming them information at this baseball game, that's the first time that somebody that the people actually stop where they are on Moss for the national anthem being played instead of just being like, well, I'm not in my seat, you know. I'm just not, I'm going to go do something else. So that's really the only, you know, that fantasy world of a sitcom is the only time that that would actually happen anyway. Um, I'm in roller derby. Roller derby teams have stopped playing it a couple years ago now. And other than fighting the same fight with people who, in roller derby, who also would have uh, cross-referenced with the people who were at that insurrection, things haven't really changed that much. So... You don't need to really. You don't need to play it. And and no, uh, I think we talk about indoctrination and feeding people a certain certain thing, a certain ritual, or certain ideas that they that we want them to have. Like a lot of that, a lot of my feelings against the anthem are in, in regards to reprogramming people in this country. Like 
I've been, you know, I've covered a lot of sporting events and I've seen a lot of different reactions to the anthem. And I've, I've covered events, you know, big events and small events. And I've seen, I've been able to observe people in the way that they react to the anthem. And a lot of, a lot of ways is a lot of people, it is a, a natural, it is a, a, a honest or earnest reaction to something in their life that connects them to the flag, you know, the just them being a, a United States citizen themselves, the uh, sacrifices that maybe people that they know in their lives have made, people who've gone off to war and died, you know, and, and stuff like that. It, you know, it, just good, real, real true to life gratitude and, and you know, positive feelings. But we also have too many people in this country who uh, think who who hate they they think you're a jerk off if you don't take your hat off during the song, or if you don't put your hand on your chest, they want right. to smack you upside the head. I've seen people do that to kids and or people, you know, like you know, because I've I've worked in rural Wisconsin and I've seen you know ignorant people just like I'm, I'm sorry, just straight up ignorant people react hostile to people to to other people. Who didn't acknowledge the flag the way that you that the way that they feel you should acknowledge the flag, and it's like, what are we here? What are are we this nation of free men and women that we say we are, or are we just another you know a nation that uh, that strong arms people into feeling a certain way? And you know, I, I just think that if we're going to live up to our to our deals and uh, better angels as a as a people as a society, you know we we gotta we gotta rethink the way that we approach things like the national anthem, and we gotta you know reapply that sort of energy of uh, nationalistic energy to better you know just in, in the better ways and better there's there's much more productive things we could do with that energy. Instead of uh, you know, they browbeating people who don't feel welled up when they see a flag. It's just a freaking flag. It's just a freaking song at the at the end of the day. But uh, anyway, I just want to get that out uh, for the show. And the NBA, like I say, they disappointed me with that. And um, you know, hopefully at, at some point we can move on from that way of thinking. But uh, let's uh, I guess we we getting close to the end here for this week's show. And uh, I did want to throw out some some college stuff. I guess you guys say you're you're not as <laughs> uh, boned up on the college stuff as you as you like to be. But I did I just I just want to, I guess in general I just want to mention the two teams that are in the top twenty five right. I want to mention two the two teams uh, locally for us who are in the top twenty five. We have connections to of course U of I is number six, and a lot of people are looking at them as a possible national championship contender. And uh, Loyola is a team, of course, they had their wonderful, you know, uh, Cinderella run a few years ago in the, in the, uh, 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 to the final four. They really just come into the Missouri Valley Conference and really just knock down the buildings on everybody. And like, how the hell did Drake get so good this year? Like, they're, they're playing. They're playing. They're both. They're playing two games this weekend. Loyola and Drake. 
like Loyola, we, we at least we've seen their development. But Drake came out, and and, and God bless uh, uh, Valparaiso for knocking them off. But, you know, because I knew they <laughs> had to lose. They had to lose eventually. <laughs> you know, I saw them when they knocked. I saw Drake when they beat SIU, and I was like, "Who? Where they? Where they get these dudes from, man?" It's like, come on, man. But anyway, like, you know, I, I, you know over brothers. Clifford Brothers, yeah. <laughs> I used to, uh, you know we used to hate them odds, though. <laughs> the who was it? It's, uh, Kyle, Kyle Corver Kyle, and Clay Corver. Kyle oh. and Clay Corver when they when the Creighton was still in the league. Like yeah. I, I, mean, I had nothing for Kyle Corver. You know, I hated that we shared the name. <laughs> <laughs> they had Tolliver too. Until, right? until he played for the Bulls, I had yeah. nothing. For they did have Anthony Tolliver. They did. Yeah. So I mean that's you know like you know we know MVC they you get some good ball in MVC and then, you know Drake and and Loyola looking to to compete as a uh, tournament teams for the league this year, but uh you know I I I, I like like I said I like Loyola I, I I root for them I I root for Illinois as well they're the first team that really got me into college basketball back in the day so I always root for them I remember what it was like. In 05, like, you know, being at S I was at SIU, but it SIU was all the whole state was pretty much rooting for Illinois in that team that year. And it was like they haven't done anything since. Now they got two two legitimate pro players this year. And and it's weird too. You think of the impact of COVID and the and the shutdowns and the pandemic and stuff. If I, I would think if last year played out regularly and you had U of I was they would have made the tournament last year. And you know who knows how long how far they would have went. But it, I would think if they went to the tournament last year and Io and Kofi got their uh their experience in the tournament and they played out however they went, went to Sweet 16 or whatever, they probably would have dipped and then they'd both be probably Riding the bench right now in the league somehow, or you know if they even if they made second round even uh, draft picks, but instead they didn't go to the tournament. They didn't have that experience. They decided to come back. They're both top twenty players in the nation, and Illinois is a top ten team. And you know it, it makes a difference. They could really make a run in the in the in the tournament this year. But I don't know. You guys got any thoughts on on those guys? I'm I'm super happy Illinois is up that high, man. I've been all those years, all those years of losing to Arizona and Duke and then losing to North Carolina in the final. I don't think this is a this is a I don't think this is a college finals team. I don't think this is a an NCAA finals team, but for them to be number six, they could at least make the Elite Eight without too much without too much mystery. And I would love to see that. I've been waiting for Illinois basketball to get back on top, man. And even though Loyola's a rival of my school, I'm happy that Loyola got on. Um, when they went to when they went to the Final Four that year, I had just broken up with my girlfriend, and she went to Loyola. So for two months, I had to be constantly reminded of that breakup. <laughs> outside of outside of me already, you know. Let's not get into that, but it was it was it was <laughs> yeah, really that, cool. That, right? that sounded a little rough, there, man. Yeah, it was really cool though. You know, like Loyola, 
is the only team from Illinois to ever win the championship. And then they yeah. were the only team in the last was that prior to that 10 years since Illinois to get to the final four. It was really cool to see that. And now um, the Missouri Valley, um, you know, we're not getting into that yet, but Drake is somehow Drake let their, their top player transfer to Minnesota, Liam Robbins, and they're still defeating nearly all comers. That's, that's a hell of a story. Yeah. All I got, all I got to say is it's a shame that Bradley made the tournament last year and they couldn't play. Yeah, that's, that's look. Last year was gonna be dope because you would have had so good. You would have had Bradley, U of I, Loyola, probably maybe, and like uh, DePaul was and decent. DePaul too. DePaul but, too. Yeah, but and then we and going back to the beginning of the year, like what the hell happened to DePaul? I mean, beginning of a show. I just what the hell happened to DePaul? But you know, I don't know. It, it's you know we we need. We we always talk about there's so much talent in this area, and you know it's we should be having a lot more say in regards to college basketball, but uh you know it it takes it it, it took a lot to just to get these two teams in position where they can say where they can say they're somewhat contenders this year. But I think Illinois, you know, the thing about the tournament we've seen teams that have had. Pretty much one guy carried him, uh, you know, like uh, Carmelo. You know, probably is the best example back in in '03. Yeah, '03, and uh, you know, but I said the uh, U of I got two pro dudes, so I think the thing is you got to if they both are feasting, they'll they'll show a lot in this tournament coming up in the Big Ten tournament, and uh, in in. You know, we'll see. We'll see some more of of what they can do in that sort of environment. It, I think it, it'll help too. The fact that the tournament is being played completely in Indiana, so Illinois is going to be one of the teams that has to travel the least. So they is instead of going to some uh, divisional out west or to the south or something, they just they going to be just you know next door. So I don't know. It, it could that's that's something that could work in their favor, and you know we uh, Drew mentioned earlier like Gonzaga's probably ahead ahead an inch above everybody else. You know Baylor too maybe, but Baylor's play. But a lot of these a lot of these teams like are popping up right now. It seems like you know there's some. I mean, I'm trying to let me get the top twenty five up. Like there's there's some teams that are showing out and. You know, I, I think I think it may be more of a challenge to get through this tournament than uh, than we looked at. You know, maybe a few weeks ago, when you look at the teams that are you know sort of coming into their own, like a, maybe a Villanova, you know, or a you no know, Ohio State, you know, which is um, Ohio State and Michigan, of course, are the only teams ranked above. Though two more Big Ten teams that are ranked above Illinois, three Big Ten teams in the top six. You know, Big Ten is definitely the best conference in the in the nation right now. Yeah, and and again, this is something that we talked about a few weeks ago. The real blue blood teams that you were typically used to seeing in 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 the tournament, 
very few, if any of them, are going to be in the in there this year. Duke is looking like they're not going to be in there. Kentucky only has five wins right now. Uh, Kansas got a big win. They that's one thing that set me off to, t- to thinking about college uh, ball this week. Kansas fell out the top twenty-five. They should be getting right back in though because they beat Oklahoma State and uh, Kay Cunningham on Monday. So they should be getting back in top 25. They're a tournament team. Uh, UCLA looks like they're probably going to be a tournament tournament team. But to have a year where Duke, Kentucky, and maybe North Carolina don't make the tournament, it, it's, it shows that a lot has is, is gone upside down in uh, college basketball this year. And, they, and there may be another year where anything could happen. But, but again, Gonzaga and Baylor, they're both undefeated. Neither one of them is is lost yet, but you know I I think look out. Michigan need they need some more games. They 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 went like three weeks without uh, playing under COVID, but uh, they need to get some more games under their belt. But I, I like Villanova, I like U of I, of course. Uh, Virginia may be a tough team too coming out the ACC, even though you know like I said that their competition ACC isn't as as uh, tough as it usually is, but. You know, it, it's 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 gonna be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, none, none of the to your point, none of the thirteen programs, the thirteen most winningest programs are ranked in the top twenty-five right now. So that speaks to the, like the parity. If 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 there was gonna be a year where you know a surprise team could sneak in there, this is the year. This is the year to do it. Right. Um, and we a little bit about um, Gonzaga and their strength of schedule. Part of that is you know, due to COVID and just its effect on, on this season in general. But they haven't had, you know, a, a rough a – rough they, 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 yeah, they just run over that West Coast Conference every mm-hmm. year. It's, they don't have much competition in that conference. Yeah. Yeah, the 23rd. 23rd um, ranked strength of schedule while Illinois has the second. That speaks to yeah. how crazy how much of a gauntlet that, that Big Ten is. Let's see what happens. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's, it's pandemic. Um, pandemic upsets. Uh, it's been that way. We didn't talk about women's, but there's been like ranked teams getting beat nearly every night. Uh, they started the season like that. Uh, UConn lost a surprise game. South Carolina lost a surprise game, and it's it's been like that all season. So, you know, on the men's side, I think it's it's like we said. Uh, earlier, teams just aren't playing games. They don't have games to play. So you're seeing yeah. um, teams just not with a chance to go on. But also, the teams like Indiana, who have been trying to get back on their feet for a long time. Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky, I feel like, goes through these ebbs and flows anyway. If not Calipari, then the school themselves. But no North Carolina. They, they, they haven't been this bad in a long time. That's a fair play since like Billy Gillespie days. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I I can't remember the last time I've seen them. I, I can't remember ever seeing them with five wins in February. Like, yeah. and part of that, of course, is canceled games. But they played enough games where they could, that they're like five and fourteen or something. Five, thirteen, fourteen. Like, it should be the other way around. You think? And that's what a bad Kentucky team. Yeah. I mean, it's it hasn't affected the major conference 
players. Like you're still seeing a lot of the usual suspects that we've seen over our lifetimes. And then over the last few years, Oklahoma, Virginia, Houston, Texas Tech being in the top 10 is kind of a surprise. I, I, I kind of expected them yeah. to, to fall to fall back a bit after their final four run with uh, Jarrett um, Jarrett uh, Culver. But they, they, they're they, still hanging around. They we we've talked before about transfer. They got uh Mac McClung from mm-hmm. uh, Georgetown. From, uh, Georgetown, yeah. Oh, that's uh, right. What's that? What's that white boy rapping? That Barlow, Jack Barlow. That's Jack Harlow. That's Jack Harlow of uh, Thomas Barlow basketball. So he's he's playing well there. Like, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a really it's interesting college season, man. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Connecticut. Like, Connecticut, them getting back in the Big East was one of the things that made me anticipate uh, this college basketball season, you know, the men's and the women's team. And I know uh, Connecticut just beat – like, you mentioned some of the losses at the top. You know, they just beat uh, South Carolina in that 1-2 matchup. You think, you think they're better off being in the Big East? As uh, that program, Chris, the women's program in particular. Um, if they, I, I gotta, I'd have to look back because I, I think they were what in the that American Athletic Conference that was created yeah. after the Big East was Catholic. Yeah, yeah, just because that conference shifts so much, and um, the Big East, the Big East teams, no matter what, they're they're more. Even the even the school that they brought in from from other conferences like DePaul and, and Xavier and um, Providence that were no Providence is in the old Big East. Creighton. Those schools have been geared yeah. for basketball for for a while. So even even though they decided to go with uh, all Catholic universities, those were universities that were also good for that's good for basketball. Like Butler, you haven't. Heard too much about the women's programs outside of a couple seasons in DePaul, but I, I do think it's better for them. And Marquette, Marquette's had a, a nice women's team uh, yeah. over the last, I think, 10, 15 years. So it, it's, it's better. They're going to have better competition, uh, as, as much better competition as UConn can have uh, within reason without going to, say, like the maybe the ACC and I, I don't think that UConn's ever going to really, really go to the ACC, even though they've got Boston College, which is relatively close. It, it just doesn't seem like a move that they're ever going to make. So it, it's definitely better for them. It's better for the conference uh, overall. And uh, there was a nice story printed up over the last weekend in the, in the Sometime Sports Saturday about uh, DePaul's history playing UConn and how they, they came the closest that they've ever come to beating them in. I think ever when, when Allie Quigley was still in school and, you know, that's, that's good for DePaul basketball fans who that's been the centerpiece of their, their athletics program that they can, they can look forward to that matchup, those two matchups every year as, Hey, maybe this is the time. Mm. But shout out to Doug Bruno, man. And at least, mm-hmm. at least they doing something with the women's team. They got, they got to give Josh something Better to talk about on Good Morning DePaul. <laughs> it's, kind of a, 
On kind of a side note, still staying in college, man, I'm, I'm seeing that uh, Valparaiso is dropping Crusaders as a team name, mascot, and on really? all logos because the term is being embraced or had been embraced by hate groups. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that idea of a crusade, man. So, mm-hmm. Interesting. So what are they replacing it with? The tiki torches. Uh, no, nah, what's that? <laughs> What's but you know Val is it Valparaiso? Valparaiso has a popcorn festival. They could be the the Orville's, the Orville Redenbachers. <laughs> I went to that. I went to that with my mom once. It was decent. It was some good popcorn. <laughs> popcorn. Okay. It's, it's Indiana, man. You know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, you gotta do something in Indiana. <laughs> uh, Josh, I don't know yet. It, this story on uh, Sports Illustrated doesn't say anything just yet. Um, it's only yeah. two hours old, so. Gotcha. Still developing. Well, there's always the Wildcats. It's, you know, they could be <laughs> the, the, the default name. Yeah, that's the default name. That's good. Yo, there's a, there's a quiz website that I like. Um, and they I just took one. It was like the most used mascots for high school. Wildcats, Tigers, Lions, Eagles. They're all they're always out there. Yep. Right. My uh, my nephew, he's in uh he's in Marion, Illinois. And he was playing somewhere, man, high school basketball. And his, the team he was playing uh, was nicknamed the Orphans. For the Centralia, for Centralia, who was he playing, man? I think I know. I think I know that school you talking about. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah, that's yeah. I think that yeah, yeah, crazy man. Uh, Centralia, uh, yeah, yeah. Orphans basketball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, a, lot of those, a lot of those like old, old, old nicknames. Like if you go to uh, the UK, teams are the Wanderers. Usually, they would they they call them that because they didn't have a place like a, a set stadium to play in. And I uh, wonder if that's what it was. They just like they had to play like in random gyms. The vagabonds. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! A Chicago sports writer likened the basketball team's uniforms to the tattered clothing of orphan children. That's bogus as hell. That is bogus, man. You don't know what these kids been keep that ain't keeping that thing, man. Oh man, the the, the you got a team called the group home kids in the middle. Shout out to Big Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man, it's a, it's been another fun running with war episode. Uh, yeah, this anything else y'all got on your minds, man? Y'all want to jump? Y'all want to throw out real quick before we head out? Cancel that All Star game. Yeah, it, 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 it looks like they're, they're just adding to it. They're going to squeeze, Man. like Juice said, they're going to sque- try to squeeze a slam dunk contest. Into At halftime. Come on, man. I mean, uh, what is the winner going to get? A free, a free special order of Lou Wings special wings? <laughs> Josh. <laughs> Like, you'll get a, you'll get a, they're going to get a coupon. Right. Year. You get a free coupon? <laughs> I won't get one free? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, you got to have a counter up for every time Josh mentions Lou Will and Will. How many <laughs> fans are going to be there? Have they said that? How many fans are going to be there? I mean, it's oh, Atlanta. Man. They might as well open up the whole stadium. 
Are they? Yeah, are they do they have rules? Is are the Hawks allowing fans in games? Oh, they yeah. they got. Oh, they yeah. Remember the the, the courtside camera? Yeah, was I, I just remembered that. Yeah, she's gonna be the one catering the meal. It's gonna be a whole new. It's gonna be a whole new strain coming out that that day, man. Watch that whole weekend. She's gonna be the she's gonna be the one uh the one model to carry out the wings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big. <laughs> Be wearing a Proud Boys shirt or something. <laughs> oh my goodness! Crazy. My thing is, how can you have a slam? You can't have a slam dunk contest at halftime. The halftime is gonna be an hour because can't nobody make a dunk on their first try anymore. Like, yeah, why? Why would you try to have a slam dunk? That's, you're not gonna be having any dunks to judge. You know, I don't know. NBA man, y'all y'all got to clean up your stuff, man. I think you know they've been making some some so-so ideas in the in the in recent times, man. We got to we got to we have to uh, focus more of attention on the WNBA, Chris. It's yo free agency went been, nuts today. What the, what's going on? Probably the best, the one of the top three. Defensive players, uh, Seattle traded to uh, to the New York Liberty, Natasha Howard, mm-hmm. for for the for the number one pick and and some other draft picks, and then Seattle flipped that number one to Dallas for our old friend Katie Lou Samuelson. Mm-hmm. All right, and, and a second her. round pick. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of the last time we heard about the number one pick in in um in any major men's sport changing hands twice in a day. Wow! Yeah, yeah. but Seattle is gambling over there in WBA, mm-hmm. and that's the team that that's the team that just won. Like, what are, what are they doing? Oh. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yo, they were far and away the best team, and they gave away their their best defensive, maybe the second best defensive asset because Brianna Stewart plays uh, two ways. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a gamble, man. Maybe and then they gave too away much of a challenge. They, they, they want to make more of a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's spice things up a little bit. Let's go get the number one yeah. and then trade it. I know I know it's getting late. This kind of on topic too. How would y'all feel about let's say just NBA draft? If instead of the instead of it being, you know, the worst teams getting the best picks, you invert it where the, the teams who are closest to making the playoffs, the like the first team that just got a, the first team that is out of that field. Second team, third team, those are the ones that get the the top picks. How would you feel about that? Well, you're like encouraging teams to try, not to to Mm compete. And and your reward for if you don't make the playoffs, but your reward for getting close is is that first pick. That's Mm -hmm. yeah. That's like an upside down pyramid scheme, ain't it? Uh, that's that's interesting. I've I've never heard of that sort of. I mean, I, I haven't either. I'm just trying to process this thing. I'm like, that's not like I heard it on the radio like a couple weeks ago, and I meant to bring it up last week. Um, and it, <laughs> it came back across my mind today. But I understand what he's saying, though. But yeah, it, I don't know. Like, it, I think in sports is like, yeah, they they they're so used to that sort of welfare uh, programming, like. Where you get what's the worst, the very worst teams get the the best offerings, but 
I don't know. A, a lot of people do. I, I'm not. I'm not sure where I'm at completely on that way of thinking, but because I do think like you, you want to give the worst teams ch- chances at the best talent to try to redo themselves, but at but also the worst teams are the worst teams for a reason, and usually that has to do with their organization as a whole. So you can give some organizations great players year after year, and they still gonna screw them up. And, and and not all that does is lead these great players to having a lot of their early years or even their prime years, you know, being stuck on a bad team. And then with then those six or seven years into their career, we're like, you know, we, we're talk, all talking about them like we're talking about Bradley Beal now. You know, get them, mm-hmm. get them uh, somewhere else. You know, so I, I don't know. No, then you have the people who think like, well, let's blow it all up and not have drafts and let players be able to. On the free market, you know, coming out of wherever, you know. Hmm. I, mean, I don't know, you know. But I, I, I think that's an interesting idea, Drew. It'll give us a show a lot more to talk about, so that's fine by me. <laughs> right. As long as you got something to talk about. You know, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what we got to talk about next week. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back. Uh, we well, some of us will be back next week. I may not be back next week, but oh. uh, no, no, just oh, no, nah, that's it's like dropping heavy stuff down. <laughs> no, nah, I'm doing the Magic Johnson, be like, I, I ain't gonna be here. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm, 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 I might, I might just take a week off. So that's all I'm saying. Okay, but uh, the show will be back next week. All right, uh, LeBron. At least, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, I am. I am a LeBron. I'm taking. I'm taking. The, I can call my shot. So I'm, if I take, yeah, if I want to take a week off. I take a week off. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron will well, be anyway. proud. <laughs> Empowerment. Empowerment, brother. I gotta I gotta get it somewhere, man. Yeah. I gotta get I gotta empower myself sometime. Yeah. But anyway, the show will be back next week and uh we'll have some more fun as as we only we can here on uh, war on Anchor War on YouTube and uh you see the tags there with our guys, follow them online and uh get more foolishness from them throughout the week. You know, pick your spirits up with our guys all across the uh, internets. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. And uh, keep checking all, out all our good material and content on uh, War war on Anchor, like I said, War on YouTube, uh, War Ready, our Substack page, and, of course, we are RegalRadio.com. But, uh, yeah, until then, keep bouncing, y'all. Keep warm. I'm sick of this cold, sick of this snow, and stay out of it as much as you can. But, uh, yeah, we'll see y'all. Keep bouncing, y'all. Peace.